It is the best weekend in the NFL. It is the final eight. Eight enter, four will remain at the end for the right to play, for the right to play for the Super Bowl. It is the Sunday Card Divisional Week. Here with you, Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silva, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone. Gentlemen, we did pretty good in Wild Card Weekend. Props are hitting. Under the weather hit. Pretty good on the regular picks themselves in general. Because I think we would have had certain things outside of them. But man, oh man. I gotta say, it was blowout weekend and wild card weekend. One close game. Lou, before I get to Matt, how many games did you turn off in the fourth quarter? I watched them, but I wasn't paying as much attention, if I'm gonna be honest. Fair enough. Yeah, they were a little not as captivating as I think this weekend will be. I agree, Matt. Do you? Yeah, very excited for this weekend. Obviously, we get the best, the best. We get the two best teams in the NFL to actually play this weekend. We forget that they were off last week and then go, oh, yes, no, we get the two teams that were above and beyond better than the rest of the league this year. So very excited to watch the Ravens and the Niners play this weekend against uh, some teams maybe we expected to be here and some teams that we uh, maybe didn't expect to see here. Yeah, we've got some smattering of some some journeyman quarterbacks, quarterbacks that have been left to the wayside and what's one man's trash is another man's treasure, I guess you would say. We've got two really young quarterbacks in this one that doesn't feel young because he was in this position last year in Brock Purdy, uh, but he is just in his second year. And then C.J. Stroud, of course, the rookie. And then we've got, and then we've got the big boys. Now we've got the best of the best. We've oh, got, so we got another young guy in Jordan Love. Oh Jordan my Love. gosh! In, Jordan in, a, Love in, a re, in a rebuilding year in the, yeah, the, we, the division round. Three young quarterbacks. Three young quarterbacks. We've got a couple of guys that, again, like I said, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Goff and Baker. Uh and then you got the big boys. You got Lamar, you got Josh Allen, and you got that Prince of Darkness, Patrick Mahomes. A little here he is again, coming at you for the first time. We get Road Mahomes. That that, that sounds icky, but it, it, that's not what I mean. Road Mahomes on the road in Buffalo. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that a crazy statistic? He's always been home. That's nuts. every last game. It's insane. That's crazy. Uh, well, technically, I said they said the Super Bowl. He Super Bowl in, in Tampa. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, didn't go so hot. But, you know, I digress. There is uh, there's a lot of fun. Matt, like, taking away from our picks, um, you know, I think we were pretty spot on with the Houston-Cleveland game. I had Houston uh, plus two. I was kind of nervous about even the money line. The over, though, was the easiest bet of the day with them over 44 and a half. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the first half, I was texting you saying, you know, after the Brevin Jordan touchdown, which I, Ooh, I, love I, I, know, I know you were hyped about. That's you've been, you've been saying that guy's name for a couple of years now, but um, very hyped about that. We had the prop under with uh, Cooper's under in that game as well. So uh, everything's firing in the, in the Texans game. Yeah, that was a wild one in the first half, and then the Browns just – died credit to the houston offensive line i thought they were the difference uh the other game miami and kansas city i hit it with kansas city minus four and a half we have a controversy right out here with this prop with isaiah pacheco i mean it's not a controversy it's just i hope you got the best of the number it's 
I I had an 87 and a half ticket. By the time we did the show, it was 88 and a half. And doggone it, didn't he land on 88? And the <laughs> the the sheer fact that I said I like his passing upside. So take the rushing plus the passing and receiving in this game when the passing, the receiving at negative one yard to put us under. So it did quite the opposite effect of helping us get there. And it, it, it ripped it away from us. So boy, I hope you got a, a good number, but that's a bad beat. I, I am never taking Isaiah Pacheco receiving yards ever again. I feel like not Guy's anymore. A runner. No, he's, a he, he's a runner. He is like a Mario Kart runner, like video game, the, the way he runs. Uh, Green Bay and Dallas, you were on it, man. Head to head, I should have known. Um, I, I just thought we were a week early. I, th- I was like, there's no way, you know, and they did it. Just a complete sham of a team. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I, it, I felt like a classic overthink. I mean, did they not have success all year playing man coverage on defense? And throwing the ball on offense, Gosh. and they came out and they tried to run the ball and play in zone coverage. I don't know, they just they outthought themselves. I think right from the, the rip, and, and Jordan Love looked damn good in that game. And Aaron Jones, just Aaron Jones right, as well. Like we said, I I said it, and I didn't think it was going to happen that Green Bay could have that good of a start. But I did say in the first quarter, we'll know. And first drive of the game, they could went what seventy five yards, like eleven plays, seven minutes, like. And just punched him, not just in the mouth. They hit him square between the eyes, and they never woke up. I mean, it was that was disgusting what happened in that game. Uh, Rams and Lions, the one good game, uh, I think, that you could say. Lions, can I say, escaped that game, and we get the beautiful thing of Lions, money line, Rams cover. If you had that one, kudos for you. That's incredible. Uh, but plus three and a half hits. But disgustingly, we get 38 points in the first half, and we don't get the over. That was that pissed me off. I I had that one right with you. That was crime that that over didn't hit because it just oh. they they went to a snail's pace. Lions only getting three points in the second half. We'll get to that how, later. How how the heck does that even happen? I mean, Raheem Morris did a great job, but man, mm. a, a couple of uh, non calls that could have gone the other way. A couple of dirty hits, quote unquote. From the Lions, they just did what they did. They bit the kneecaps, man. I tried to rip Puka Nakua's head off. Yeah, rip his head <laughs> off. Tried to kill Tyler Higby's knee and did. Like that was that was pretty scary. Uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo, just a stupid thing for me to do. Just betting. Come on, come on, scared. Danny. They were scared. They were as scared. It was the most scared performance I've ever seen. Mason Rudolph outdoors in his first playoff game in Buffalo. Like, don't overthink it. Just dumb. Just just flat out dumb, but not dumb. Um, Tampa Bay. Uh, oh. Easy. I mean, that that was the easiest one of the weekend to me. I, I thought they, I thought the Eagles never had a chance even before the game, and they proved it right there. They, they're just locker room cancer, no leadership from the coach to the player. Like, just they were done. They were done. I mean, they laid down. They were bad. Like, we saw – we just saw two bad teams. Like, Pittsburgh on uh, – the first game just didn't want to tackle. I mean, they, they let up two touchdowns on just not tackling and the Josh Allen and the Shakir touchdown. And then we saw maybe a worse display of tackling from the Eagles. I mean, they, there was no life in that team at all. The, again, my, my, my prop didn't hit. I was right on the bucks with you though. I mean, I thought that was, that was a great spot to hit them. Uh, but again, the, the Eagles were so bad. They let Rashad White get like seven yards of carry on them. So yeah. that's, how, that's how bad they were that game. 
like Rashad White, they never run the football, and Rashad White's just running rampant. That was unbelievable. So uh, under the weather, Miami didn't, didn't want one single part of Kansas City. They didn't want one single part of Kansas City. They, they were cold as could be in that game. You were looking at, like, the pregame, and, like, the, the guys in the pregame were like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, nobody cares about Peacock. Thanks for canceling. Um, but the guys on the pregame were like, oh, Miami's out with no sleeves and this, that, and the other. Like, they don't care. Like, they're getting fired up. And they just shoot a shot of Tyreek, and he just said, get me a coat. Like, he just, get me a coat. Like, it was cold, and you got Mahomes cracking helmets. Like, it was nuts. Not for another Tyreek. I mean, they, they put the clamps down on Tyreek. Jerry oh, yeah. Sneed had a game. Oh, yeah. One play. One play Tyreek had the whole game of the touchdown. That was it. Um, and, and that's all that they needed to do. So under the weather hits, man, we are close on that touchdown prop parlay. You were right on it. And I'm watching the Jordan. I mean, Jordan loves throwing touchdown after touchdown. Well, Aaron Jones got three of them. I was like, they're just going to run it in with him again. And once, once he had the first two, it was very obvious. And then uh, was it when Wicks caught his touchdown? I was, I thought it was mm-hmm. an 11. And I saw him. Reed ran the inside post route that cleared it out for Wick. So when I saw him attack in the middle, I thought it was going right to him. And uh, yeah, we couldn't quite get there. Not quite, not quite. But, you know, Puka, yes. Uh, Pacheco, yes. So you felt good about it. But then nothing from from Mr. Jaden Reed, unfortunately. Lewis, you're a winner. Bet the narrative. The Rams, plus yeah, three I, and a half. I thought they were going to win, but well, we'll take a cover. That's fine with me. Yeah, that's why that's why we take the points. Hey, even, <laughs> even you're even on this already. Now, now we're really cooking in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, everybody's positive in the playoffs now. I got everybody. Everybody's positive. Let's do it again. Let's do it again, Matt. I do have just a, a couple questions for you. Most disappointing team from Wild Card Weekend. Let's go. Most disappointing. Uh-huh. See, I mean the the Eagles. The Eagles have put like you would. You thought you could get like. I mean, obviously, it's been bad for like six, seven weeks for them. Thought they would say, okay, it's the playoffs. Let's turn it on. And they just, they had no on switch. Mm. Nothing. They, they had absolutely nothing. It's hard not to take Dallas, but at the same time, it was kind of the writing. It, it, Green Bay is the team that usually does this to them. I just didn't think Jordan Love was going to do it this early. So that that is probably the most disappointing team for me. It's a great narrative. And now they got McCarthy coming back now. So, like, get ready for another 12 wins and early round exit next year, you know? Yeah, I eventually got to win in January. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes you got to do it. What about, um, what about the team that, uh, team that really has the most to lose this weekend out of all these games? Like, what's your – obviously, we're looking at Bill's Chiefs, and that's maybe the juiciest matchup. But, but who's the team that has the most to lose, you think, this weekend? I think the Ravens. I think Lamar mm. has to prove his ability in the playoffs. He's got one playoff win. He has not won a playoff game at home. Um, and I think being a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, number one seed, I think they have to come out against a rookie quarterback. They have to come out, and they should cover the spread in this game. I mean, they they, they should – a win in this game shouldn't be close. It should be they, they win by – with margin by over 10 points. Mm, interesting. Lou, both questions both pointed to you. Most disappointing team from Wild Card Weekend and most to lose – in divisional weekend. Most disappointing has got to be the Eagles, like what Matt said, because it's – I like Travis Kelsey. I like the Kelsey brothers. I like Jason Kelsey, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing him go out like that, all right? 
And now what's their team going to look like going forward next year? A lot mm-hmm. of question marks. And then what was your second question? Most team with the most to lose this weekend. Oh, it's got to be the Bills. It has really? to Really? I think so. I, I agree. Matt makes sense, but come on. He's got to win. He's got to beat. He's home. Josh Allen's home. He's got to beat the Chiefs. He has to beat. Has to, it, he has it, to do it. It is his best chance he's ever had. Right. Best so, chance he's ever had. That's I mean, so true. So, I, I, you know I want to see Lamar win, and I, I agree with Matt on that, but Josh Allen has to win. He has to. So, mm. so I think the consensus would be Ravens, Bills. Any any idea maybe on the 49ers and, and their most to lose? I mean, they've been here a million times as well, you know? What is their path in the future? I guess, I I guess they – yeah, so I guess – go ahead, Lou. No, I just don't think they're going to lose, so it doesn't really, you know, that's all. I was, wor- I was worried that's my oversight as well. I'm like, I don't see him losing this game, and that's that's maybe a problem right there. Mm. Just, a, just a thought, just a, just a feather in the old cap. I do think – I do think – I do think Buffalo is an interesting play just because if they don't, if not now, when, you know, mm-hmm. like their team has to change if something has to change and they feel like this is it. Like they're favored. They're playing really, really well. So it feels that way. But just when it feels that way, you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Ew, Lou, I don't like this. It's a toughie. That one's for last. We're saving that bad boy for last. You know it, Matt. You know it. All it's, right. That's certainly best for last. Yeah, absolutely. Shall we begin? Shall we begin on Saturday and, and go for gusto? This is it? Let's do it. First off, I just want to preface this by saying that we have been, like, kind of sort of looking at ticket prices for the Baltimore game, seeing maybe we go. Now it's getting a little cold. So now some certain people are backing out. I'm just – I'm not going to name names. Look, I can watch you just drop my couch, right? I'll call it out as it is. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's a, it's a tarps off kind of game in Baltimore with that cold. Uh, let's go to it. Houston and Baltimore. The line is Baltimore minus nine and a half now. So a little bit of a tick up. Was eight and a half. Now nine and a half. Over under is 43 and a half. Matt? Where do we draw the line? You want to talk offense? You want to talk defense? Who are we talking? Uh, I think let's talk. Uh, let's talk uh, Texans offense. I think that's the okay. way to go here. I agree with you. I think that's the more honestly. I, I'm more interested in that yeah. than on the other side. Uh, so uh, we got three. Uh, the three out of the four games this this week are rematches. They've played one point during the year. This one is the most far removed. Uh, so they played week one. Uh-huh. So CJ Stroud's very first game in the NFL. D'Amico Ryan's very first head coaching game in the NFL. They lost 25 to 9 to the Ravens. I, I don't want to take too much from that one. That one feels like a, a real we can kind of throw this one away. Uh, this offense, rookie quarterback sensation, CJ Stroud, <laughs> shows up last week against the number one ranked Browns defense, the number one team defense in the NFL. Puts up 274 and three touchdowns on him. He's the first rookie quarterback to beat the NFL's number one ranked defense in the playoffs. Now you get the Ravens defense, much more rock steady defense than the Browns right up there with them in in DVOA, but much more fundamentally sound. I think the Browns were a little more susceptible to explosive plays with Jim Schwartz being aggressive on that defense versus Harbaugh, I think is a tackle, you tackle, you tackle, you make you work for every single yard. Very fundamental defense. The Ravens were the first team in NFL history to lead the league in takeaways, Points allowed per game at 16 and a half. 
and sacks. It's 60 sacks this year. The Texans offense, Bobby Sloan, the play caller, comes from the Shanahan coaching tree. So now we might not want to take too much from week one when they played the Texans this team. But the Ravens did play the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins this year. Two other Shanahan systems. The Ravens were able to beat the 49ers 38-19. to They beat McDaniels and the Dolphins 56-19. to mm. Allowing 19 points per game to this style of offense. So Slowick, I think, is definitely going to be able to key in on some of that specific game tape from those two games. Again, not the same exact system, but have a lot of similar tendencies. It's the same skeleton. Slowick's going to have his hands full with some tape this week and be able to look at those games and figure out what is going to work with this system and what he can make happen because the Ravens clearly are well adjusted to this style of defense. Stat that really worries me for the Texans. The Ravens have allowed the league's lowest completion percentage on throws 10 plus yards down the field at 36%. I think life's going to be very difficult for our guy, CJ Stroud this week. He has a lot to overcome, but I have a hard time doubting still. You know what I mean? Like he's, <laughs> he's overcome. Not. He's overcome so much this year. I think he's going to have to, Dink and dunk his way down the field a little bit more. Take what the defense gives him. Uh, I think the Ravens will play a lot of man versus CJ because we know that they have the guys to do that. They have playmakers at every level, and we've gone over how he's better. Uh, CJ's better against his zone than he is a man defense. I think that they have the dogs to play man all game. I don't want them to even try to force this rushing attack. It's not what they, like they've been bad against good good rushing good rushing defenses, bad rushing defenses. It's not the strength of their game. It's, it might be the passive path of least resistance, but nothing's going to come easy against this Ravens team. So put it in your best playmaker, your best weapon on this team, and put it in CJ Stroud's hands. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I think that it presents a problem of all of a sudden you're becoming one-dimensional offensively. And that's a hard way to beat a really good team, a really good coach team like the Ravens. You mentioned the running. Um, Houston, in terms of like early downs, right? You know, we talk about early down rate and success rate. They're really good when they're throwing the football, right? I mean, they, I think it was uh, against Cleveland, it's 60% success rate on early downs, throwing the ball. They created 53% first down rate on pass plays. They're bottom seven in the league in early down pass play frequency, though. That's the problem. They don't really do it. They run the ball even if it's to a means to no end. And that's a problem to me. I think that they do want to go down the field. I think that that's a possibility. However, like you mentioned, Baltimore's defense, number one in sacks, number one in defensive yards per attempt, number one in defensive passer rate. So that, that and you also mentioned the 10 yards or more. I mean, they do have more athletes to me and are better equipped to cover in the back end than a team like Cleveland did with guys like Kyle Hamilton, with guys like Marlon Humphrey. If he plays, of course, and I know he's a little banged up, so there's a possibility there. They got to exploit the zone coverage. I, I think Baltimore does like to play a lot of zone. They play a lot of cover four and cover six, and if you don't know what cover six is, it's cover four on one half of the field and cover two on the other. So four and two, cover six. Um, and, and they do tend to play man-to-man, though, against Houston in that week one game and a lot of simulated pressures. So, you know, they don't blitz a lot. They still get a lot of pressure. And now they don't really have as many wide receivers to deal with because Noah Brown is probably not going to play right here. Yep. Hank Dell, I know, certainly is not going to play. So who's your X factor? I think it's got to be Nico Collins. Uh, if Marlon Humphrey is injured, 
then even more so Nico Collins becomes an X factor and has to has to really really find a way here to be able to to get past uh, get past some of those secondary guys. So I do agree with you. I think that's those are all really good points with Baltimore's defense. We want to flip Taylor's side of the ball. Baltimore yes, I do. Yeah. Again, we we I I think Lamar's got a ton on his shoulders this weekend. If we can go over some career trends that Lamar has. Mm-hmm. Uh Playoffs, he is 1-3 straight up and against the spread his career. As a home favorite, he is 28-10 and 10 straight up, but 15-23 and 23 against the spread. Out of 220 quarterbacks over the past 20 years, he's ranked 213th against the spread as a home favorite, seventh worst. On 12-plus days of rest in his career, 1-6 against the spread. Over the past three seasons, these are more spread-related, when he is a favorite of 3.5 or higher, Six and 16 against the spread, Lamar Jackson. He's a favorite of seven and a half or higher. One and eight against the spread, it's Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson. Worst mark of 32 quarterbacks. The Ravens are one and three against the spread as seven point favorites or more this season. The only cover, Houston. week one against the Texans yeah, <laughs> as a nine and a half point favorite. I, I think, think there's a I lot. Was of- on, I think I was on Baltimore in that game, and I also had the under, so I was very nervous, and I did. They both had. I just think Lamar has a ton of pressure to win a home playoff game in this spot where he's supposed to win one. And he has not won a home playoff game yet in his career. And now he's also had basically three weeks off after they didn't play week 18, the bye week, the classic rest versus rush analysis that we have to deal with here. Uh, obviously, Baltimore's offense, they've evolved the passing game a lot this year, but the, the rush offense is still where they're bread and butter. They're still the best in the league at it. Mm-hmm. 4.9 yards per carry, third best. attempts per game, highest in the league, 156.5 yards on the ground per game, number one in the NFL. But Houston has not been too bad of a rush defense themselves, only allowing 3.5 yards per carry to opponents, second best in the NFL. They were even better in the second half of the year outside of the Colts game where they let Jonathan Taylor run all and they couldn't stop the nosebleed. I I think that was a strategic uh, let's pass funnel, let's let Gardner Minshew try and beat us, and Mm -hmm. we'll we'll give it up on the ground a little bit. So outside of that game, they were really, really good uh, and efficient on those carries. They're super fast and athletic across their, their front seven, and I think that's what helps them in that rush defense. And I think it really helps them hopefully be able to contain Lamar Jackson even a little bit themselves. I didn't look up; I can't remember how many rushing yards Lamar had in the opening game. I don't think it was a ton, um, and I think the speed on their front seven can help contain him as good as he is. He makes it difficult on every every defense, but I think they have the tools to at least slow him down a little bit. Um, and I think if they can hopefully keep that rushing defense up, they could force the Ravens into some more. Set- second and third and long looks some more obvious passing downs where again, Lamar has evolved that part of his game, but if you're going to make him beat you with one side, his feet or his arm, you're going to want to make him beat you with his arm. Cause we know he's got it with the legs. Um, I, I just think if Baltimore gets behind early, I want to know what happens. I want to know what their response is. Cause we've seen how the Houston's have tried to come out really fast. And these mm-hmm. past, obviously clearly like go back to the Colts game, first play, big bomb to Nico Collins. They drove right down the field uh, last week on the Browns and scored. If they get punched in the mouth a little bit early. And again, the Ravens offense isn't quite clicking because they've had a couple weeks. The timing is a little bit off. How do they respond? Is Does Lamar start feeling the weight of this game, another playoff game on his shoulders? Very interesting. He only had to throw the ball 22 times in their week one victory. If they make him have to throw it a ton more, I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's where this game gets interesting. Uh, it definitely does get interesting, but here's my concern. One of the things that I see is is you mentioned the run of Lamar versus the pass of Lamar. You'd rather lose to his arm. Unfortunately, 
most of his rushing has come on pass design plays. You know, I mean, I he's bailing and just getting a ton of yards. So Houston's got – and Houston does have the speed. They, they definitely have the speed at linebacker to catch up with them, but they have to be super disciplined because, man, Zay Flowers has a lot of speed too. Odell is going to be hard to cover. And here comes old Mark Andrews possibly coming back for this game. That's yeah, going to be a problem with likely and him. And the, I mean, it's just there's a lot of things that you have to worry about. This is a weak secondary. This is a weak secondary. And I'll give you one more. Houston has the second most missed tackles of anyone in football yep. this year. Not a great stat when you're trying to catch lightning, Lamar. So uh, I don't know. This is a very hard game because it's a lot of points and the weather and the this and the that. Um, the other one, I just want to go back to this on the defensive side of the ball for Baltimore, red zone too. Baltimore is second in the league in red zone defense. Houston is 17th in red zone offense and have been very conservative inside the 10-yard line. So that's another thing. You have to score with this team, and otherwise they will squeeze you down and force you to kick field goals. So I'm I'm cautious about this game very much. So how do you see it? Well, here's my final thought note that I have here. This does this is definitely a trend amongst the Ravens. Blown leads. Blown leads for the Ravens. This season, they blew three leads. Or sorry, three of their four losses. They blew leads, including two double-digit leads. Since 2002, or sorry, since 2022, uh, they have six losses with a double-digit lead. Tied for second most in the NFL with the Bears, Chargers, and Raiders. Since 21, they have eight losses with a double-digit lead. Mm. Tied for the most in the NFL with the Bears. Nobody else has more than six. And teams with a buy in the playoffs are hitting at only 46% rate last 20 years when they are favored. 36-54-1 and one against the spread. That is 40%. Give me my guy, C.J. Stroud. We're going into battle one last time. It's it's going to be a hard win, but I think they keep this close, and, and C.J. is always going to keep the back door open, I feel like, for us here. So give me plus nine and a half. Oh, my God. I thought you bet hard win for the Texans for a second there. Like I was very nervous about that. Matt, this uh, in my power rating and my numbers, man, this was the one that had the most mark, the the most discrepancy. Uh, last week it was Tampa and Philly. That would have been my number one play. This week it would be my number one play to take the Ravens minus nine and a half. It's just it's too much for me. I think that this that Cinderella slipper crashes and 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 falls into a million pieces here. I just I there's too many things that Houston doesn't do well enough that Baltimore does, and I get the rust versus rust. I also think Lamar is just on a mission. I, I just, I really do. I think even better than his MVP. I know his, his numbers are statistically better. His MVP, his other MVP year. I think this year is so much more efficient than he was there. And and I'll leave you this. I, you know, I play the weather a lot, so I'll, I'll leave you with this one. How about teams that play in a dome that go play outdoors? Teams that play in a go in a dome that go play outdoors in the playoffs in sub thirty degree temperatures, two and six straight up in the last twenty years losing by an average of 10 points per game. I'm going to take the Ravens minus nine and a half to, to clean house. I know I try not to do so many trends or like do so many like, oh, they did this over the last of this, but because it is just one game, it's one game on one day and that you just have to be better that day. And that definitely bodes for the, for the dog. But I think this is a mismatch in my opinion. 
he certainly the Texans have it all stacked against them. That is one hundred percent for sure. But man, to 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 give up on him now, three just proved proved so many naysayers wrong all ah. year. We got to ride one last time. Why why would I think anything different? Why would I think anything different, Lou? I, I know you got to bet the narrative at the end. Just a thought about this game. Thread the needle. Take the money line. (laughs) Take the Ravens money line. All right. But then thread the needle with the uh, with Houston with the nine and a half. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm gonna do. So yeah. Okay. I kind of like that. I kind of like that little little same game parlay. I like that a lot. I think it's gonna be Uh, close. Okay. Okay. What about the other one, C? Matt, Saturday night in San Fran, in Santa Clara, Levi's Stadium. Your guy might be C.J. Stroud. My guy that I've been loving is a little love, Jordan Love, I, in going into San Francisco. I didn't love him last week. I should have rolled with him. I should have been on his side. I liked him. I got an MVP ticket on him for crying out loud. Matt, this game to me feels like offense, offense, offense. That's what it feels like to me. You you want to break down the, the Packers offense? Yeah, why not? I would love to break down. I, I I don't even know if we can really break down defensively either of these two teams because I know San Francisco has quite a good defense, but I do think that they have some holes, and I think the Packers can exploit them in some areas. You look at Green Bay. Um, but first off, I want to say that these two offenses might be the two best offenses left, at least numbers-wise. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay offensively second in DVOA this season. They are the lowest in sack plus turnover total in the NFL. Since week nine, they are the second rated team in EPA per play behind only San Francisco. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. They are second in pass block win rate. They are third in sacks allowed. Over the last three weeks um, of the year, they were second in yards per attempt and completion percentage and passer rating. They were along with being fourth in rush yards per game, first and third down offense, yards per play, and fifth in points per play. So we know that they have been playing extremely well. They've gotten Aaron Jones going. Matt LaFleur has all the pieces clicking. And what I love about them is that they get out to leads early. And that is such a big factor for them because they have been winning constantly by just punching these teams in the mouth. Getting The, the coin toss might really determine this game. If you really think about it, because San Francisco don't like to play from behind, right? We know that. And Green Bay is going to have a hard time once San Francisco has a lead because then they got to throw it and then they got to put their pass rush. So the 49ers defense on the other side is really good, right? We we know them. Um, I think that they're, they're fifth in defensive yards per attempt, fourth in defensive pass rate, third in opponents rush yards per game, and third in opponents points per game. However, there is one gaping hole about them this year. One, or actually really two. One is that they're 26th in the league in EPA versus the run. Their rush defense has not been very good. And we know Green Bay has been a lot better. They're also, their home road splits. They are the opposite of the Browns. They're second DVOA defense on the road. They're in the bottom half of the league at home. This is a very interesting game, but I will add a caveat. Eric Armstead returns from injury this week, and he is my X factor for this week against Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has had 20-plus carries and 110 yards in four straight games. 
So with Eric Armstead coming back, he is the key piece in the wheel to that run defense playing well. Green Bay's offense can light it up both in the run. They want to run it to set up the pass. We saw that hitting Dobbs on the star every two seconds, right, last mm -hmm. week. But is San Francisco finally fully healthy where their defense is going to collab and have some cohesion this week where they haven't had that in a few weeks? What say you? Yeah, I, I think that, again, Brother Love is getting all of the attention for sure. He is getting all the praise. But the rushing attack is what's been getting this Packers offense going, especially since Aaron Jones came back. As you said, I mean, he's been fantastic since he came back week 15 from injury. He's been averaging almost five and a half yards per carry. Uh, he's obviously had the three touchdowns last week against Dallas. San Fran has been middle of the pack this year as far as opponents' yards per attempt allowed on the ground, 4.1 yards per carry. But from week 10 on, after their bye week, after their three-game little skid there against Minnesota, Cincinnati, Cleveland, um, and, and if you remove – there was an anomaly. They have 234 yards to the Cardinals on the ground. I don't yeah. know. It, it, it's, it's If you look at the last – for week 10 on, like, they were really good except for that one game where they went – 30 carries, 7.8 7 yards per attempt the Cardinals had. But excluding that game from week 10 on, they have given up 75 rushing yards per game and only 3.5 yards per carry. Now, again, maybe in the situations that they're running in EPA, waiting how efficiently, you know, up first down runs, they're getting more than 5 yards a carry, yada, 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 EPA. But overall, they're limiting rushing offenses. And I think that you've noticed that since week 9, we talked about how when Love turned his season around, he had, 69% completion percentage, almost 270 yards per game. That's when the rushing attack of the Packers really took off. Um, since that point, they were averaging – they became a much more balanced team. They were averaging 33 pass attempts per game, 28 rush attempts per game. They went 8-3 and three over that span. In their first game, first seven games, they were averaging the same exact amount of passes per game, but five less rush attempts per game. And they went 2-5 and five in that span. So clearly, they want to get the run going. That helps them win this. I do think that – if the Niners commit to stopping the run and make love again, a still a young inexperienced guy, but he's not a true rookie or, you know, he's not like a CJ Stroud. He's got more experience than Brock Purdy. Maybe I will not in playoff games, but I think that they make it hard on him and make love have to beat them with his arm and take away that easy rushing game, getting them ahead of the sticks on early downs. Yeah, no question. I, I, I do think that's definitely the key. I do think that green Bay though is capable of throwing it to to open up the running game as well. I, I think it's oh, yeah. an either-or thing. Like, we've seen that. We saw that against Detroit when they played them in Thanksgiving uh, where they just came out throwing the ball all over the place, and they should have done that against Detroit. I think that they may, may do that to soften up San Francisco's defense, who is vulnerable in the secondary. Now, they got to block them. But like we said, they're second in the league in pass block win rate. So – it's an interesting kind of conundrum, and I'm very interested to see what LaFleur comes out with. What about San Francisco's offense? What do you think about them? San Francisco's offense, one of the best offenses in the NFL that we've seen. It's stupid. Years. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to an interview. Uh, Aaron Schatz was on part of my take not that long ago, creator of mm -hmm. DVOA. He said that the 49ers came in around 32% on offensive DVOA, which is a top 10 offense over the last 40 years that he has DVOA tracked. So this is one of the best offenses we've ever seen. I mean, again, they, they lead the league. They lead the league in so many categories. Uh, yards per attempt at 9.3. Second best was Miami at 8.1. Hmm. A yard point two yards better than second place in yard per attempt. They're fourth in yards per carry at 4.8. Second in points per game, 28.9. And first in yards per game, 
nearly 400 yards a game. Now, what have we learned about the Green Bay or the yeah the Green Bay defense over the past few games? Everybody was calling for Joe Barry's head after they let up 30 points to the Carolina Panthers, giving Bryce Young his best game by far on the year. They got destroyed at home by Tampa Bay and embarrassed. And they lost to the Giants with DeVito on Monday night. And everybody's calling for Barry's head. Now they have a couple bounce back games. Who'd they play? They played Minnesota with Jaron Hall slash Nick Mullins in a split game. And they beat the Bears and Justin Fields. They were a defensive team. We know that. <laughs> nobody, nobody boosts up the Bears offense they, like they that are. around here. No, but uh, Justin Fields is not a is not an elite of elite quarterbacks since when? So they look decent against easy to middling opponents. And then last week, Dallas pukes all over themselves. I mean, Dallas just—I was going to say—the Dak, Dak picks were horrible. I mean, it, it, him and Ceedee Lamb got nothing going in the first half, and and Green Bay just scored too much on offense to be able to let them in. But the entire second half, obviously, they're in a little more prevent defense. Dak threw it all over them. Too little, too late for the Cowboys, but they kind of had their way with the Packers defense. Now it's prevent defense, and all those things get weighted a little bit differently, but. Um, the Green Bay defense, I just don't think they're going to be able to cover the run either. It's not even the passing attack of Green Bay, which is the best in the league. But they're not good against the run, and their passing deficiencies are weak in the middle of the field, covering backs out of the backfield, tight ends, and slot receivers. What exactly does San Francisco do to a T? They run the ball, they get the ball to their back out of the backfield, they use tight ends, they attack the slot in the middle of the field. I think the Packers linebackers going to be a huge weakness for them. I think Shanahan's keen in on those guys all game long getting them to bite, getting them to do whatever he wants them to do. And I just think that this pat, like Green Bay is going to score on offense. I don't know if they can get a single stop on defense. Mm, that's interesting. You say that uh, you did mention, like you said, San Francisco offense first in defensive yards and yards per attempt first in passer rating first in red zone offense, first in yards per play first in points per play first in early down efficiency. Any others? I'll take another, Alex, please. Uh, they're just ridiculous. You know, it's hard to imagine them getting stopped. I will say, you know, Green Bay's defense is not great. But overall, in the whole season, they were sixth in the league in pressure rate. So they did do pretty well in that. In the last three weeks of the season, they were – I don't really want to throw out the, the, the completion percentage and the passing game numbers. But against the run – they were tied for third in yards per carry. They were second in opponents' rush yards per game. They did. They were tied for third in opponents' points per game. So down the stretch, they did figure some things out. And, of course, against Dallas, they did that as well. So I don't want to just dismiss them, but I do agree with you. I think this is an extremely tall path. It's going to take San Francisco doing some things mistakenly for them to have success defensively because – like I said, this game is about offense, 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 offense. So at the end of the day, how do we see it? Final thoughts on this game. Shanahan's been really good as a home favorite. He's in at in at in the playoffs. He's been four and zero straight up and against the spread in those spots since nineteen ninety. He's the only four and zero coach uh, at home as a favorite uh, this season. Nine of their sixteen wins. Nine of their wins are by 16 points or more tied for the Cowboys tied with the Cowboys for first 11 wins of 10 points or more in the NFL this season. I will lay the big number here with this number one mm. and lay the nine and a half. 
Mm, so we're on opposite ends of the of the one seeds here. And I do like uh, just uh, the bonus bet, San Francisco team total over 30 and a half as much, you know, if, if Green Bay backdoors here. But again, I think they run up the score. You think they blow them out? I, I this could be a a 40, 42 to twenty one game. Okay, okay, that's very interesting. I think that that's going to be that that'll be really telling about how far San Francisco has come. One of the things that San Francisco to me uh, doesn't do very well. First halves have not been great to San Francisco over the last few weeks. Ravens, we know what happened in that game. Brutal. But even when they went to Washington, that was a 10-10 game in the third quarter of that game. And, and and they ran away with it and got 17 straight in Washington. Now, they are at home. But, again, like we said, their defense hasn't played as well at home. They have struggled a little bit in the second half of the year with giving up points. Um, and now – and then, of course, against the Rams, they obviously didn't play a lot of guys, and they end up losing that game. So I am a little – weary about this game and if san francisco does come out slow we know about their issues coming back in games right so green bay has to have another hot start to start the game and if they do like i said last week we'll know in the first quarter watch out especially if green bay gets the lead in the fourth quarter if they find a way to stay in it and stay in the fourth quarter, they can very easily win the game. And I think both the rain and the wind could play a factor in this game. It's going to be high 50s. Localized flooding is the term I got for possibly for this game. Uh, and then wind up to 10 miles an hour. I'll leave you the, with this last trend, Brandon Anderson. This is a great trend from him. Uh, home teams with a bye in the divisional round that lost in the last week of the season. 3-15 and 15 against the spread. That would be the 49ers. Road teams that missed the playoffs the prior season in the divisional round are 27-13 and 13 against the spread. I'll take the Packers plus 9.5, and, and I'll take the Packers on the money line. I really think that this is one of those spots. Not everybody's going to win at home. I think there is going to be one team that gets caught, and I think San Francisco – as crazy as this sounds, and I love Kyle, and I think he's angry and all that stuff, but you can ride with your guy. I'm riding with mine. I think there's something in the water going on with Green Bay. And wouldn't it be something if after losing Aaron Rodgers and everybody's telling them that they were, you know, going to be down and out for the next few years and it's the Lions division, that they would have maybe an opportunity to play those same Lions next week for a shot at the Super Bowl one year after losing them, I think that's a great story. I think Green Bay is the team to maybe pull the upset this weekend. It's very interesting. Very interesting. That uh, that, that uh, Green Bay trend that you gave at the end also applies to Houston, which I didn't give out because I knew I was going to be thinking against this one. So just right. fair enough, the, uh, you know, again, the losing and the or not making it last year. And it is a trend. It is oh, a it does, trend. It doesn't apply to both Green Bay and Houston. So. It does. But one game on one day, like I said. Be the better team one day of the year. That's all it is. A, a point for having both one seeds on Saturday because the NFL has to put a game on Monday, and obviously one game yeah. was forced to Monday, and now we have to have them play Sunday or else it would be too unfair of an advantage. 
So now they ruined divisional weekend by wanting their money on wild. The worst, just the, the worst. worst. We shouldn't have both one seeds playing on that the same day. And on just, Saturday of all days, if they both played Sunday, I could see that, but have them both play on Saturday. That's ridiculous. I wish that we could just have both conferences, like both conference games yes. on one day. And then the next one on the other, like that's they, more exciting. They pretty much tried to do that last. That was going to be this. That was the schedule was if the bills played when they were supposed to, it was all the AFC games first. Right. It was, you know, Texans, Chiefs, and, and them. And then I, I did like that setup. But yeah, way, I, I hate this. I hate this having both one seeds on, on the same day. That way, no one's getting a rest advantage. And, and let's just say Baltimore wins and then Buffalo wins this weekend. It's the third week in a row that Buffalo will have a distinct rest disadvantage uh, going into the conference championship week. Lou, you heard what you say. Well, I'm not riding with the uh, buddy love with you. <laughs> Uh, no, I, if I bet this game, it's going to be the Niners, the minus nine and a half. And I will look and see, uh, the odds on McCaffrey having two rushing touchdowns. I want to check. So, and I think his rushing yards, it's over 89 and a half. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be high. All McCaffrey props are going to be juiced up beyond, you know, he's just one of those players that's, that's too keyed on. He's. All his yards are going to be probably above where they should be for like a, a median average kind of thing. But um, the two touchdowns, we're going to at least get into some plus numbers there. Okay. Well, maybe you look at maybe you look at uh, if you like the Niners, maybe you look at an under with Aaron Jones rushing if they can stop him because they're going to be passing and being down a lot, you know. So yeah. So so his Christians McCaffrey's anytime is minus three forty, and for him <laughs> to score. Crazy. And for him to score two is only plus one fifty five, wow. so no. tough. Again, no. he's he's. It's just he, they take all the juice out of it. It's too easy for because he scores all the time. They'd be losing money. Yeah, mm. no, that's true. That's true. But. Let's go to the uh, maybe. I wouldn't call this a snoozer game. I I think it's the like it's the it's the one man's trash is another man's treasure game of the week. I think. I love this game. This game is fun. This is kneecaps versus cannons here. Like, that's what this is. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is just think about that one of these two teams gets to play in conference championship next weekend. Yeah. Like, that's exciting. These two teams have historically been horrendous franchises. Now, the Bucs have won a couple of Super Bowls in, in the millennia, but the Lions have been horrible, and the Bucs were terrible before all that. So historically, this would be kind of funny. It's just kind of a funny divisional game. But it's in Detroit. The Bucks are six-and-a-half-point dogs in Detroit here. Uh, I think the over-under is what? It's 48-and-a-half. So, yep. Matt, let's let's go for it. Uh, give, me, give me who are we talking about, golf or Baker here? First? Let's go Baker. I want to hear about Baker. I know he's your guy. Baker. Like we do. I do. He's another one of those guys that I have. I just, I, you got a lot of guys. I got a lot, I got of, a lot of guys. I got a lot of boys. Uh, I love my boys. Uh <laughs> <laughs> talking about baker so first first note i think he looked healthy last week i mean i thought i thought he didn't look like he was he was nursing any injuries against the eagles and he was coming in with again ankle ribs i thought he looked fine so i i don't want to factor that in too much speaking on his health because i think that he looked pretty good last week in that game last week the bucks had their game plan dialed in i mean the bucks knew exactly what to do they came out and they threw the ball a ton they were throwing at about uh, somewhere between 75 to 80 percent of their neutral passing situations, they were throwing the ball, taking advantage of the weakness of the Philly defense, which is their secondary. Uh, 33% of Baker's throws were 20-plus yards downfield last week. 
So I just think that game plan kind of translates a little bit into this Lions defense. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they have a weakness in the secondary, especially on the outside uh, corners that are really bad. This came from uh, Stuffy at the Action Network. We always give a nugget from this week. He's he's got a vendetta against Kendall Vildor. He just thinks he's maybe the worst cornerback in the NFL. So, and he gave out a couple of shocking stats. So this is the number two corner that the Lions have behind Sutton, who he also doesn't think is very good. He has allowed 22.8 yards per reception on the year. 22.8 yards per reception out of 151 corners with 100 coverage snaps. The next closest corner is allowing 17.7 yards per reception. He's about five yards worse than the next worst corner in the NFL. So that should just describe to you how poor this Detroit secondary really is. And obviously we saw Puka Nakua last week torched him. And Stafford was dicing him up all, all over the place last week. They outgained the, the Rams outgained the Lions by 100 yards in that game. As you said, maybe they got a little bit lucky. Uh, the Bucks weighed out 15th in overall weighted DOA. The deep, but the uh, Detroit defense grades out worse than the Bucks. While Detroit has a great rush defense, they're the number one rush defense in the NFL, only allowing 3.7 yards per carry, which is third best in the NFL. But they're 16th against the pass. And also, since week 10, they are 25th PBOA against the pass on defense. And the Bucs just don't run the ball. So I don't care that the Rams or the, the Lions have the best rushing defense. The Bucs don't run the ball. They yeah. said they threw it all over the place last week. Three and a half yards per carry, again, except for when I have a, a freaking Rashad White prop is when they want to run the ball well. So I think this is all pass, no breaks for Baker Mayfield. Throw heavy script, take advantage of this Lions defense. Baker buzzing this weekend. Like, that's what it is. It's a, You mentioned it, Lions sixth in the league and rush DVOA, but Tampa Bay – 23rd in the league in rush attempts overall. Detroit, by the way, Detroit's defense is has the third fewest rush attempts this season of any team. So they never even see – teams don't even run on them. This is okay. They're often – like they get out to quick leads with their explosive offense and teams have to pass to, get, to keep up. Yeah, 100%. I think it's going to be about show and go for the Lions defense this week. It's going to be about we're showing blitz and we're going out of it. Like – they only sacked Baker one time in the game they played earlier this year. They only knocked him down twice in the game they played earlier this year. The problem was that they got a lot of couple of tipped passes, and that's where I think the Bucks should should make a decision on let's go play action under center and let's get Baker rolling out and getting away from these linemen because we I think that that could be an issue. They have really big defensive linemen, Ali McNeil. Aiden Hutchinson, Akaronquo, like they have some big dudes. And that caused Baker, not only did he have a few tip passes, but he also had 37 pass attempts in the game. And and yes, he's going to have a lot of those, but the Bucs do have to mix in some short passing game here. Mike Evans has to be better. He had four catches for 49 yards in that game. He had 10 targets. He had a few drops in that game that were very costly on third and long, would have been first downs in the red zone, the whole nine yards. This is a really tough one uh, for Detroit, I think, to have to deal with it because then you look at defensive dropback EPA the last four weeks of the season, Detroit's 30th in the league in that category. I mean, there's just all the numbers are pointing at. Tampa should be able to throw it on them, but Detroit drops eight. 
like they did in the game prior, Tampa's got to be real patient and not try to just take a whole chunk. Like they have to really run some deep crossers and be able to break through and kind of find their holes in the zone. So this is a nuanced passing game, but it's a passing game in this one for, for Baker Mayfield. What about the Lions? So the Lions offense, again, we mentioned how obviously extremely explosive offense all year um, running the ball. It, it, it kind of, you know, gets their game going. They can throw, you know, the play action passes where golf wants to live and breathe in this offense. Um, because I, I mentioned on the other side that they were out game by a hundred yards last week, maybe eked out a win. And the second half was really concerning for the Lions, as good as they looked in the first half, the second half, they only had three points uh, uh, on offense and they just couldn't adjust to Raheem Morris's second halftime adjustments. Their four drives in the second half, nine plays, 44 yards in a field goal. Four plays, 13 yards, punt. Six plays, six yards. Or sorry, three plays, six yards, punt. Seven plays, 23 yards, end of the game. Only 86 yards total offense in the second half, mm. which is really, really concerning to me. Um, and I think that that was the rushing offense not coming through. Like, that's when they were trying to bleed out the clock and they're trying to play with the lead. The rushing offense wasn't that great. And now, talk about X factors. You got Vita Vea on the other side of this ball here. Mm, good I mean, Vita factor. Vita Vea is going to be able to really limit their running in between the tackles. Vita Vea is the only guy who's been able to beat the most unstoppable play of any NFL team in the Eagles push push. <laughs> and he stopped it twice this year because he just gets, he just tries to push Jalen hurts his head down to, into his spine and he can't go forward anymore. That's what they say. You know, lead the head, the body will follow. Um, so, I mean, clearly they have an advantage, I think on the defensive side for the bucks and stopping the run. They've allowed 3.8 yards per carry six best in the NFL this year. I think that if – and then comes the blitz of Todd Bowles. That's the key. I mean, last week – I mean, last week, clearly, the Eagles – I just – I want to talk more about the Eagles. The fact that they just had no answer for a blitz for seven weeks. As like, they couldn't figure out a hot read. Their, their, their hot read was throwing a bubble screen and getting behind the defense more as they're running at them instead of getting past the defense and getting behind them. It doesn't make any sense at all. Really frustrating to watch them try and beat the blitz. The Lions do have answers for that. They do have Laporta to be able to beat the list. They have Amon Ra, who's fantastic at being able to get him in motion, get him these quick hits. But Goff is a lesser quarterback when he is blitzed. Uh, not blitzed this year. Goff is a top-rated passer. He's got a 90.4 PFF grade. He drops to 22nd in the NFL when blitzed with a 70.3 PFF grade. They don't disguise the blitz. Todd Bowles puts the guys up at the line of scrimmage, and they're pretty much all coming every time. So – that might be a problem, and it's going to be up to Goff to key in on that and get those hot reads out. But can he be accurate and can he be precise when the heat is on, especially if they're getting behind the sticks in second and third and fourth and long situations? Well, I think you you nailed it on the head with the blitz thing. I mean, that's – you go back and watch the game against – that they played against each other back in Tampa week six. Tampa blitzed a ton. Like, they blitzed a ton, and they couldn't they, – they got to him three times. They sacked him three times. But in key situations, Goff was able to weather the storm and deliver balls. Like, he just stood in and took it. And, you know, he had a really good game with Sam Laporta. I think Sam Laporta, Tampa is one of the worst teams in the league against opposing tight ends and against opposing number one receivers. So if you want to look at a prop, I'd probably look at Sam Laporta over 39 and a half yards. That feels kind of juicy to me um, with, with that as they – Again, fourth in the league for, for Detroit in dropback success rate. They can beat this blitz. And I'm on Ross St. Brown as well. I'm on Ross St. Brown is going to be a real problem. I do wonder 
I do wonder how Levante David deals with it. And I think, and I think Tampa's secondary was not 100% healthy in that game. So they might have an The game was only 20 to 6. It was a really well played 20 to 6 game for Jared Goff, but it wasn't like the Bucs weren't in it. Like they really played well and held them in. So to me, I do think that this is definitely a spot where Tampa can Tampa can limit the Lions if they continue to do what they did last week. Yeah, I worry about the, the only I just want to talk about the Laporta problem. I worry about I, I can't find how many snaps. Oh yeah. No, he did play eighty he did play eighty percent of the snaps last week. I wasn't sure if he was quite there. He only got three targets. So I worry that he's not really running a ton of routes when he's in, you know, just because of the knee injury. I was surprised that he was playing last week at all, but that scares me a little bit off that Laporta prop because I know I know that does seem low for him, but I worry that he's only playing kind of you know a lot more as far as the routes he's running are only gonna be in crucial red zone and third down kind of spots. Um but I agree. I, th- I think that that first game was definitely not Baker's best game. And I think if Baker is rolling like he has kind of the final eight weeks of the season where he's been much, much better, I think that they're able to put more of a fight on offense. They're not going to they're going to possess the ball a little more on offense. I think the Lions had a ton of chances in that game as well. Uh, probably should have been able to score more points. Um, and like you said, the, the help of the Bucks defense. So I think this is a very different game the first time around. I agree with you. So you go Bucks. first this time. You go first this time. Buddy, you know, you know where I'm going with this game. Fire the cannons! Plus six and a half. But I will say this. This is the game I think you take the Tampa spread and the Detroit money line. I I just find it going to be hard to go into Detroit and win how good they play. But I am firing the cannons on the plus six and a half. Tampa Bay has covered eight of their last nine games on the road. I'll take the Bucks plus six and a half here. Yes, the Bucks are nine and three against the spread as underdogs this year. Uh, Baker in his career as an underdog, 27-21 against the spread. Uh, he's only 14-26 against the spread as a favorite. Uh, like I said, they've covered they've uh, as a dog has covered four in a row, uh, including seven and one against the spread in their last eight, as you said. Baker's also three and zero against the spread in his playoff career. Hello. Give me the Bucks plus six and a half and the prop for this game. This again related back to that Stucky. The reason he mentioned that god awful cornerback uh, Fildor for the Lions. He thinks that he's going to be covering Chris Godwin a lot this game. He thinks Sutton is going to mm-hmm. get Evans. So take Godwin's over 62 and a half receiving yards. And then I personally, like, actually, no, we're going to get to the other prop later. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Lewis, we kneecaps for cannons. We're cannons, actually. (laughs) But if I do bet that game, um, probably just going to take the money line, the plus 240 cannons far away. There you go. That's a a big cannon. I I, I think I'm going to be sprinkling a little bit on the money line for this. Oh, I like it. You guys are on money line with Tampa Bay. Is that the one? I don't want to keep picking home favorites, you know. Well, you got one more game, so who says you have to? (laughs) Oh, I won't. Don't oh. you worry about that. <laughs> what? Uh, Casey and Buffalo, the game of the weekend, the game to end all games. Is it finally Buffalo's time for the first time outside of maybe one Super Bowl? That's a kind of a gray area. The Chiefs will be on the road with Patrick Mahomes at the helm in the playoffs. 
Josh Allen has bested Patrick Mahomes the last two years in the regular season. But, Matt, those 13 seconds still seem to haunt Buffalo. Is it now or never? You mentioned Baltimore. Lou mentioned Buffalo as the team with the most to lose. But Kansas City's the defending champion. Kansas City, it feels like they're the dog. Of, like, they feel kind of, dare I say, the Patriots went to Kansas City and played the Chiefs. Not to bring that up. Uh, Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, as we talked about. And the over-under is 45-and-a-half. Let's go. All right, let's open up with the weaknesses. The weaknesses facing off, and then we'll get to the strengths of these two teams sure. facing off. And I think the weaknesses is Kansas City's offense versus Buffalo's defense. I mean, the Kansas City offense, we said it all year, they've struggled. I mean, it's it, it's been a huge problem for them. On the other side, Buffalo's defense already ravaged by injuries, and they took on a bunch more injuries last week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rock meet hard place in, in, in like the worst way you can as far as like, you know, deficiencies here. I did find this interesting looking at last week's game for Kansas City. Mahomes throwing to Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey. He was 15 to 22 for 201 and a touchdown. Throwing to anybody else, he was 8 of 12 for 61 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, it was really shocking to see the amount of target, the, the, the lack of target distribution to anybody that's not named those two guys. Now, Russell, as, as much as injuries as, as uh, Buffalo has, Russell Douglas does seem to be playing. He logged a limited practice Wednesday. I didn't check the Thursday report, but I imagine as long as he didn't have any setbacks, he should have gotten either a limited or a full practice in on Thursday as we record. Um, and can they still get home on defense against Kansas City's tackles, which is, again, the weakness on their offensive line, the interior Kansas City offensive line, very solid, very experienced. The tackles, they've gone over some turnover. I didn't get to look into if they have – I think they lost – attack since they last played too so i know i, I believe uh the, the secondary tackle that came in got hurt in the week after that they played um so it's a different unit as much as they have a bunch of injuries on defense the bills the one piece that is intact is the pass rush gregory rousseau aj epinesa ed oliver all not on the practice report leonard floyd got veteran rest the only question mark is terrell bernard or terrell bernard um, who has an ankle injury but those five guys are the top five sack getters on the Bills with 38 sacks this year. And that doesn't include Von Miller, who hasn't played a ton this year. He's been nursing injuries, he's been trying to bounce back, who doesn't have a recorded sack this year. But we all know when he plays, he's making an impact, and they're going to shadow coverage his side and open up opportunities for everybody else. So I think the pass rush is still going to be intact for the Bills in this game. They have to get to him. They, did, they only got one sack in the previous game. Game. They had six quarterback hits, hits and they pressured him on 22% of his dropbacks. With only two passing threats, I feel like if they're able to scheme up a way to take one of those two guys away on most plays, if not both of them, where you've got the safeties in Poyer and Hyde who can who could come down and play on Kelsey, and you could hopefully do some bracketing on Rasheed Rice. Like take the weapons away from home, take the few weapons away from Mahomes before you had to worry about everybody. Now we saw a little bit with like the Raiders game when they were taking away this first option. Mahomes was on his, on his feet. He was running all game. I think that we're going to see a lot of Mahomes trying to rush and scramble for those first downs, which he just always gets. And it's so frustrating to watch when you're on the other side of him because he scampers for just enough yards and he reaches that ball out to get past the first down marker. I think you're going to see a ton of that this game, but I think that only comes if they take away their the two passing threats in Rice and Kelsey. That is Buffalo's key here in this game. 
Yeah, no question about it. I think, look, it's pretty simple at the end of the day, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes wants to target those two players. That is 100% true. And I, and I really think that, you know, over the middle is where Buffalo can be exposed. So I do think that Kansas City will be able to move the football. I, I really do. I think I think Pacheco running the football, obviously that's going to be a big thing because that's where Kansas City is probably going to have an advantage up front is those guards in the middle. They got Tooney, Trey Smith, and, and Creed Humphrey in the middle. They should be able to run up the middle on the on the Buffalo defense. They, they should. They should. Uh, Daquan Jones coming back a couple weeks ago was huge for that, the middle yeah, that's of that, true. that line. That's definitely true. However, where I feel like the game is won and lost for Kansas City is in the red zone. They had to kick four field goals last week getting in the red zone against Miami. was banged up as could be. They just could not figure out a way to do it. And I credit a little bit to Miami's secondary. I think that obviously having a guy like Ramsey is hard to deal with in the second in, in the red zone when you're when you're trying to throw the football. Bills don't have that. So uh, there are guys out there, sure. But again, like we talked about, they're banged up. Kansas City was 17th in the league in red zone offense scoring this year. Does that change at all in this environment, in this condition? That's what I wonder about. I think that's just the whole game right there. Kansas City will move the football. What do they do inside the 20? That's what I want to know. Buffalo's offense. There are two very big matchups to me, Matt. And I'll just lay them out for you before you go. Buffalo's offensive line, number one in the league in sacks allowed this season. They gave up the fewest amount. Kansas City's defense, number one in the league in pressure rate. How do they pressure Josh Allen? And not just pressure, but how do they get him down? Because that's the, that's the hard thing to do with getting him actually on the ground. The other part is third down. Buffalo is the number one third down offense in the league. Kansas City's is the fifth-ranked third-down defense in the league. Talk to me about Buffalo and what you see and what do you think the, the tough part about this? Because this is this is strength on strength. This is mono e mono. This is Josh Allen. And to me, this is the best defense he will face if they do win this game. Agreed. And I think what's different for the Bills this year on offense is that it's not all on Josh Allen's shoulders. I think that this mm. is a very, very different Bills offense than they've seen try and take on this Kansas City team. And clearly, it worked earlier in the regular season this year. Uh, the Bills went under a transformation when Joe Brady took over the play calling uh, from Ken Dorsey. They went from eighth to twenty second, or sorry, to thirty second, dead last in the league in pass play rate. Their first ten games, they were averaging one hundred and sixty and a half rushing yards per game. Since week eleven, that coaching change, they're averaging one hundred and fifty three yards on the ground per game. The Bills have currently scored 20 points or more in nine straight. And if we want to talk about the weakness of that Kansas City, they're good on the, the pass rush. They're bad against the run. 27th DVOA against the run are the Chiefs. Josh Allen has also had success against the Chiefs. Now, this is a better Chiefs defense as well. So, again, as much as we're seeing a different Bills offense, we're seeing a totally different Chiefs defense this year. So this matchup on this side of the ball is, I really think, unlike what we've seen in previous playoff matchups here. But previous times that Allen displayed the Chiefs at six games, all last five of them played in Kansas City. He's got 15 touchdowns, only three interceptions, and he's rushing for 54 yards per game. As we know, again, when the playoffs come around, they take the, we take the restrictor, restrictor plates off the big man. He can run as much as he wants, trying to save those legs and those big hits for the playoffs, but we take the restrictor plates off here. Case in point, what he did against Pittsburgh, that was the craziest run I've ever seen him run. It was like – came out of nowhere for him to get there. 
I couldn't believe a 52 yard run was his longest run of his career. I feel like that was like, I don't know. I feel like he's broken off like one of those like crazy ones before, but probably been more like 25, 30 yards. Um, uh, the Chiefs, uh, again, Josh Allen going against a good Chiefs defense. Josh Allen has had success over other quarterbacks in the league when he plays good defenses. Chiefs have allowed only 16.7 points per game during the regular season and allowed just seven last week. And Allen versus teams allowing uh, versus teams allowing less than 20 points per game. He is 26 and one against the spread in his career, 77%. That is the second best mark of 247 quarterbacks over the last 20 years behind just Mr. Tom Brady. Let go. You said 26 and one or 26 and one. The latter. Okay. All right. I was like 77%. That doesn't add up. Um, what 26 and one. I think you're right, man. I just, I, I think Josh Allen, this is, this game is all about him. The other guy that I do want to point out is James Cook. Um, I think that's the X factor. James Cook, a hundred percent. Because you mentioned that Buffalo is really good against the run or is really good running the football right now. Schematically. Can Chris Jones, Derek Nottie in the middle, both of those two guys, along with Nick Bolton, can those guys find a way to stop it against what is a weaker offensive line in Buffalo? Uh, they are, have been better with run game. I, I definitely agree with that. But James Cook in the last game against Kansas City didn't just lead the Bills in rushing. He also led them in receiving yards in the last game against Kansas City. So what kind of impact does he have in the screen game? What kind of impact does he have in the check down game when Josh Allen is rolling out? Who keys on James Cook in this game? I mean, he's been such a force the last half of the season. Where do they go? So I love your stat about Josh Allen against, against good defenses. I do see the Prince of Darkness, though, in his underdog role. How does he react? It's a very scary thing to go against him because, of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes is 8-1-1 and against the spread in his career as a dog, right? Or as under three-point favorite, or is it just a dog? I can't remember. It, it, depending on the number. But, yeah, he's he's phenomenal as a three-point favorite or a dog. Yeah. Three-point favorite or lesser dog. Yeah, he's phenomenal. So – at the end of the day, I'm going to go first because I, I, I am I want to I want to hold the audience's breath because I feel like you have a better rap on this. At the end of the day, this is about Josh Allen and what he does. Josh Allen, to me, this year has been the best quarterback in the league this season, in my opinion. Regardless of the turnovers, the touchdown rate and the rate of success for him is so much higher than that. Most of his turnovers have been on deep balls that haven't affected his team and also the city of Buffalo, who is 15-4 and four straight up at home all time as a franchise in the playoffs. I'm circling the wagons. I'm taking the Bills minus two and a half, and I think Josh Allen finally gets it done. Tell me why I'm wrong or tell me why Josh Allen right now, it pains me to say, is the best in the world. Everything here wants to say, scream the Chiefs. They're a dog. All the trends say it. It's the playoffs. They're going to get the job done. I just don't see the switch. I mean, what from this offense this year tells you they can flip a switch? Would they have not flipped that switch after 18 games already this season? I don't think they have it on offense. 
I think that it's going to come back to bite them that they've only got two weapons to throw to when you've got the best quarterback in the game and you've got serious deficiencies in your offense. I think it's the Bills time. Give me the Bills minus two and a half. God, I'm nervous. Let's go, Buffalo. I I won't sing that, but I am nervous because I know what Lou's going to say to me in about 3.5 seconds, Lewis. I don't have to tell you. You are what I'm doing here. Demon time. (laughs) You know Patrick Mahomes is pissed that he's the underdog. You know it. He's going to come out. He's going to light it up. My only fear for this game is that some zebras, you know, run amok. Like last time. Yes. uh, That's my fear. That's all. Is Kadarius Tony playing in this game? Is he playing? (laughs) Is he playing on the right side of the line? Somebody check if he's even active. He's got to be inactive. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm riding because I want to root for the Chiefs anyway. So I'm going to take them. Uh, I'm going to take the money line. But for the show's purpose, give me the two and a half. Okay. I love it. Proud for this game. Yes, I do. Again, I do think Mahomes is going to be running around a lot, running scared. I like Mahomes over 27 and a half rushing yards. Mm. Okay. Mm. I think he gets a lot of first down with his legs. A little bit of movement from the Prince of Darkness. Okay. Well, those are four. Matt, let's do a let's do a couple of specials here. Under the weather, uh, you know that weather in Detroit this week is really really messy. Twenty five degrees in Detroit. I just don't know how the Bucks are going to handle that coming all the way up from Florida. Um, Yeah, I think I think we got to maybe do that one. Sorry, they got the they got the they got that real nice puffer gear for when they got to get off the bus. So they'll be in that nice warm stuff to get off the bus. It won't be effect to get into the stadium. It'll be fine. Have you heard a dumber dumb. question? Have you heard a dumber question in your life in a press conference? It's tough. It's really tough. <laughs> I mean, clearly, clearly a new reporter, made clearly new to the the sports beat. Maybe just sit back and listen during that press conference. No need to ask a question. Good idea. Two words. Zip it. Uh, no, the under the weather. Is going to be. Uh, I hate to do this because I'm taking the Ravens, but I, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to. I'm going to thread the needle again this year. So I took the under in Baltimore and Houston in Week One, and I took the Ravens. I think it was minus seven, and they both hit. It was nine and a half. It was the same same number. Oh, it was. It was the same. So okay. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to ride with it again. I'm going to go again. I'm going to take the the uh, under forty three and a half, uh, twenty seven degrees. Sunshine, but winds at 10 to 20 miles an hour. And again, like I said, mid-20s. So I do not like Houston. I think Houston might have a lot of problems on offense. I really do. I just think it's going to become one-dimensional. If they get to, if they get above 10, I'm going to be a little bit surprised, honestly. I really think the Ravens got it here in this game. Now, the Ravens might not have to score a lot of points, but I think they'll get to 21. So I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Ravens. I'm going to say Ravens. 24 to 10 over the Houston Texans under 43 and a half in the weather in Baltimore. Uh, is it a touchdown prop parlay again this week, or is there something different going forward? We are scoring. We are scoring tutties, as they say. Yeah, we were so close last week. Um, you know, we're hooked down. We got to hit one of these during the playoffs now. I mean, we, and this is the week to do that. So we got enough games to spread around the action. What do we so, got? 
not nearly as juicy as last week, but we're going to start it off with Josh Allen anytime touchdown. Now you can mm. get this maybe right now. I, I was able to get it at a minus 115, which I know is not juicy at all. You could, you could maybe get him an even plus 100. But Josh Allen has had a rushing touchdown in 10 of his last 12 games. So getting even money close to this. I mean, this is like Christian McCaffrey. He's used up to minus 350. But we're getting Josh Allen at, a, at a close to an even money. So I like that good, one to start off with. Point. George Kittle, plus 110 against the Packers. Packers are really going to talk about the middle of that field. Linebackers being weak. Safety's being a weaker part of the Packers defense. I think George Kittle finds his way into the end zone this week. Uh, plus 110. And then we talked about the Lions being really piss poor on the outside. I'm taking Godwin's receiving, but I'm taking Mike Evans anytime touchdown. Mm. Also, also even money. So plus 100. So if you can get, I got plus 110 Kittle, plus 100 for Evans, and minus 115 on Allen. Still gets you plus 685 on the return. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Three superstars right there with Mike Evans, George Kittle, and Mr. Josh Allen to finish it off on Sunday night. That's exciting. That's exciting. I feel much better about it, although I did Gosh, I feel like we deserved that. Maybe if it was like Romeo Dobbs or something, we would have had I, it last week. I should I was like screaming at myself for not putting Dobbs in. I really was. Yeah. Yeah. That was oh it was tough. But I still I like this. Reed played so much more, so many less snaps since Wicks has come in. And oh, Dobbs wow. kept his snaps up there. So I, I just I didn't take into the numbers enough. Gotta gotta get in those numbers. Gotta get in those numbers. Lewis, you've picked all the games, but what's the narrative gonna be on Monday morning? Come on. <laughs> what do you want me to say, man? What? Patrick Mahomes, the Prince of Darkness, does it again, and he set the face off against Lamar Jackson the game before the Super Bowl. Mm. That's it? Mm. That's so, it. That's all. Right, yeah. And I, like I said before, I'm going to try to thread the needle with Houston and Baltimore. So, you know, Baltimore money line, Houston points. Hope I get right in there. I can see it being a seven-point game. I can see that easily. A touchdown. So, there you go. There's your bet the narrative. <laughs> what else would it be? <laughs> uh, so, Lou likes Kansas City and Baltimore. Me and Matt like Buffalo and Baltimore, I'm assuming, to, to win at least next mm. week, right? Uh, and then uh, you guys are going San Francisco and – Tampa? Yeah, <laughs> oh, and I will be an all NFC North uh, NFC mm-hmm. championship. Who would have thought Detroit and Green Bay for the third time this year? That's what I'll be. So bold, bold, but you have to be bold in the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. Where are we watching the game, man? I'm be settled up at home. I'm gonna be. I think I'm gonna be posted up, making uh-huh. some food, enjoying it from the couch. How could you not? Maybe I'll just go to Baltimore. Maybe I'll drive with myself. I don't know. Why not? Why not? Get in prison, you know, run on the field, whatever. At for at the Sunday card, it's for the brand. Uh, for Maddie Ice, Matt, Maddie C, Matt Silver, and for our esteemed producer Lemon Pepper Blue Paracone, I am Dan Zampano on Twitter. At the Sunday card, we post it on, I shouldn't say Twitter, I should say X, on Saturday, uh, probably around noon. We'll post it on Sunday, probably around noon, the picks. Make sure to listen in on Sports Country, on Spotify, on Apple, on Google, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see you next week to break down just two games. 
from the Super Bowl. We got seven left, ladies and gentlemen. So hold on to your pearls because it's going to be a bumpy ride, but it should be a lot of fun. We'll see you next week for the conference championship edition of the Sunday Card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.